When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here on the CLNS Media Network, I am Mike Cadlick from CLNS, joined by 98.5 The Sports Hub's Alex Barth. We are here to talk about and break down uh, the Patriots' win versus the Dolphins last weekend, um, which makes this uh, sort of... This, this game against Buffalo this coming weekend, a true win and in uh, for this New England team. Uh, we also want to open up the chat for a Q&A as well. Um, have you guys sort of lead the conversation here today. Um, any Patriots questions, Patriots Dolphins commentary questions, um, anything related to DeMar Hamlin, uh, if you want to talk about that. Um, anything NFL schedule related, because it's sure to be uh, a cluster over the next few days for the league. So, uh if you guys just want to drop your questions, comments in the chat, um, we can kind of get that started as well and get that going. But, uh, yeah, Patriots beat the Dolphins 23-21 um, on Sunday. There was definitely some ups and downs again, Alex. Their sort of offense was stagnant at times, special teams blunders, but they fight, they they work hard, and they somehow pull it out again. Yeah, this game at least, you're right. There, there was a lot of the typical Patriots in this game, the offense early on. Uh, the, the special teams mistakes, not playing Kendrick Bourne for most of the game. There was certainly all those same things that, that we've kind of eye rolled at all year. The one thing they did do though, and I'm just, I'm just trying to get the numbers up here. I'm sorry. I'm just sort of getting, uh, getting settled in as we go here. One thing they did that they really have struggled to do this year was they put together a sustained drive late in the game to put it away. And I think when you look at, what was different about this game, right? They get the ball back. They force a Miami punt. It's actually Miles Bryant made a nice play to tackle Tyreek Hill in the open field. They force Miami punt with just under 10 minutes to go in the game. They're up. Um, what were they up at the time? They're up one score, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, I think it was 14 uh, or 16, 14. They're up 16, okay. 14. Uh, so they get the ball back with just under 10 minutes to go off of that. They go 89 yards in 11 plays, pick up five first downs, and that's the drive that's capped with the Jacoby Myers touchdown, right? And that drive, we haven't seen that all year. How many times late in the game, whether it was Minnesota, whether it was the Raiders game where they ran that quarterback bootleg and had the three and out, um, you know, there were other chances where they just needed to put together a drive late in the game to put it away, and they couldn't do it. So... I look at that as an encouraging sign, especially for Mac Jones. Mac Jones made some big time throws on that drive. The you know, the kind of things you're looking to see, the kind of things you want to see, um, from him moving forward. But again, it goes back to well, where was that all game, right? Where was that all game? So, a sign of progress. But again, we're talking about these little signs of progress here in Week 17. Just feels a little weird. Right. Obviously, you can't rely on that. And the fact that, again, it's week 17 and they're still I mean, they're scratching and clawing, clawing and they're fighting, but it needs to be more consistent. And that's what we're going to look to next year is, you know, these these peaks and valleys make them make them more peaks and less valleys. I thought, too, that the sort of it was it was an FU drive that they had the opportunity to take advantage of Um and they finally did it. There's been times they were they there were chances throughout this season where it was like, okay, Patriots are up a score, or maybe they're tied, and it's like this drive right here is the time and the place where you need to give it your all and you know get your proverbial shit together and punch it in the end zone. And this felt like the first time they really did it. Like you said, you know, 
they dinked and dunked. They got down there. Mac makes the nice audible at the goal line and they punch it in. Um, so that was good and, you know, exciting to see from the offense. The one thing that was not so exciting, I thought, was just Kendrick Bourne seemingly back in the doghouse. Um, I don't know ex- his exact snap percentage, but I think he only ended up with one catch for like 18 yards, which, again, once you get Kendrick Bourne the ball in space, he makes good plays and he makes it happen. He converts a first down for them. But it was the only time, or maybe one or two times they went to him, and it's just... I think he had a carry, too, right? Yeah, yeah, he had a carry. Yeah, okay. So, but that's, he was targeted that's two it's times, like, one catch, 16 yards. But why is that all we're doing? It makes no sense, and right. it's, it's, it's frustrating. They get the win, so it's like, okay, you know, move forward. But this, that, that's the type of thing I'm going to look forward to seeing them do next year is work a guy like him more and just, you know, they, they have pieces. I tweeted it on, uh, on Sunday. They have pieces. Mac looked promising. Mac looked like a guy you can build around the other day. Ramondre Stevenson's a monster in the backfield. Tyquan Thornton was their leading receiver. Yeah, Kendrick he had Bourne a good game. Retain him. Tyquan had like three. I think it was three catches for sixty yards. He made a couple acrobatic plays. Um, that was yeah, a good three sign. Three for sixty so. and a touchdown. I so they got him more involved finally, which is nice. And you see right. what he can do. How you know the defense starts having to play a little differently when you start sending him up the field and that's something they've been very hesitant to do this year. It's been a lot of drag routes and screens. And I think those screens certainly should be a part of his route tree, but that can't be it. You've got to send him down the field to test the defense. And you saw them do it a couple times and it made a difference. So along the same vein, kind of with the Kendrick Bourne stuff, right? Hey, we, this guy's proven he can do it. Why aren't we giving him more opportunities? That was a like when they drafted Kendrick Bourne, that's, not entirely the game you have in mind. I mean, three catches, 60 yards is a good game, not a great game. It's not a knock on Tyquan. I think he can do more if given the chance, but like he was never a guy that was going to catch seven, eight, nine, ten passes in a game. Like that's not who he is. Right. He's a yards per reception guy. He's a guy you're looking like three, four catches, 60 to a hundred yards, like something like that, where you're using him to throw the ball down the field. So to see him finally used in that way, we've talked about this a ton this year. It's not necessarily about the talent, but are the coaches putting the players in a spot where they can use those talents to succeed? Um, I I thought Kendrick Bourne's usage on Sunday was a great example of that. Right. The other thing on the offense that I know I'm looking looking into it now is uh, they finally got back to splitting carries between Stevenson and Harris. And I think that has to do more so with Ramondre continuing to be banged up, which it's it shouldn't have been him getting hurt to realize, oh, we need to split this thing up. But Ramondre had eight carries. Damian Harris had nine. They each went for 42 and 32, respectively. So, I mean, not a great game on the ground, but they didn't really seemingly need it. I thought, you know, it was, it was one of those weird games where they just sort of got it done in the end and there was no real rhyme or reason as to why. Um, but you know, one thing I will say is, and this is sort of going shifting to defense, which we're sort of just throwing it all against the wall here, but the game really didn't feel like they were in control at all until the Kyle Duggar pick six. And that just completely turned it on its head. And that was just an unbelievable play from a guy who continues to make those plays week after week on this defense, a guy who should be a pro bowler. I, I don't know why he's not. Um, it's a good question. Could could be an all pro. Like he's he's had a dominant season, and I think he's the I think he has three defensive touchdowns now this year, which is the most by yeah. a Patriot in 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 a long time. I think it was nineteen seventy two. So oh, since nineteen seventy, he, yeah. He's he's a he's a beast, and he's going to continue to be a beast for that defense. And it's you know the, when he got drafted, I remember thinking his best trait is his instincts and. Mm-hmm. How quickly is he going to adapt to the speed of the NFL game, right? But he's a guy that just seems to have a knack for being in the right place at the right time. And that's not a luck thing. I mean, he knows where to be and when to be there. And he has a very high level understanding of that uh, as as a simple way to put it. And the thing about those guys, we talked about this a lot. We talked about Jack Jones at the beginning of the year, right? Those instinctual yeah. players, the more football they see, the better they get because they have more information to work with. You're starting to see Kyle Duggar really get there now where he's seen a lot of football. He's played three seasons now. He knows what he's looking at, and he's starting to take advantage of these opportunities and just that that lightning-quick processing power he has. Yep. The interception against the Raiders, he, he told us he saw that motion on film, and he just knew. He just knew that that was going to be a screen. 
this was kind of a similar thing where he he saw his coverage assignment. You know, they they, they rotated the coverage. He he talked about this after the game. He sees his coverage assignment yep. stay in a block. That frees him up. He recognized the route pattern and got himself in a spot to to pick off that throw. And then obviously does a great job on the return as well. Hell of a stiff arm at the end there. But don't man, those like instinctual safeties, those players are dangerous. Those yeah, players can really lift a defense to another level. And Kyle Duggar seems to be that kind of guy right now. It's like Troy Polamalu instinctual wise, like a guy who, as far as instincts go, I love, and this is more so just like skill than instinct, but the way that he yeah. would, you know, sit, sit on the center and just wait for a snap and time it up perfectly and be able to jump the line. I know Duggar's not doing stuff like that, but that's the type of like feel for the game that Duggar has. And it, it reminds me of a guy like Polamalu. Um, Bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL and bowl season to esports, you'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. For the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events, head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. As far as the season goes, I wanted to bring up this question, and I kind of like it because it's true, and we talk about it all the time as far as a win's a win. It says, how ridiculous is it that you know we're a Ramondre fumble and pitch away from being a 10-win football team, given how miserable it's been all year? And, I mean, I couldn't agree more because this team is so, so many small plays away from being, like like he says, 11-6, and 10-7, like they – they're that close, yet they feel so far away. And that, that makes me think that next season is going to be I – mean, next season really feels make or break for, you know, the Belichick administration and Mac Jones being here. And it, it feels like there's they're just a, a few plays and a few quick fixes away to being a contender again. What do you say? Yeah, I don't disagree, but they've got to figure it out, right? If they haven't right. fixed all this stuff this year, it's not like it's – one bad uncharacteristic mistake or even two bad uncharacteristic mistakes. Like there's been a lot of them this year. So on one hand, like I don't disagree with the premise of the comment, but this is who they are. They make little mistakes that cost them games. It's part of their identity right now. So um, they are very, and this kind of goes to what I've been saying for the last few weeks. I don't think they're far away. I think their roster talent's pretty good, but they're not a 10 win team simply because they don't do the little things well. They don't play well on the margins. They don't have the details taken care of. Now, you're not going to have a lot of roster turnover this offseason. You shouldn't anyway. They only have, I did this yesterday, 16 free agents. And some of those guys are guys that, like, don't play, right? You've, um, you know, Cody Davis free agent. He's been hurt all year. He's a guy that they've kind of gone through without this year. Isaiah Wynn hasn't played in a while. He's probably, but you're not going to have a ton of roster turnover. So, you're good. You're not going to need to do, you shouldn't need to do a ton of install. Now, maybe they'll change the whole offense again. I don't know, but you should be able to go right in and start working on the nitty gritty little details. And that would be a great opportunity with them. Cause yeah, if they clean that up, they're right there in the AFC. Right. I really believe that. Well, the offense too, like you said, it's, uh, and when I call it a quick fix, it's not really a quick fix because I mean, I don't know if they're going to overhaul the entire thing, but whoever comes in, and you know, you know, sort of takes the reins. They're going to have a lot to work with, but it, and they're going to have a long off season to do so. But it's not just a matter of hey, do this right. Like there's a lot of things that they need to sort of figure out as far as far as like rhythm and play calling and getting lined up correctly and not running into each other and getting their route spacing more accurate. And yeah, I, you can call it a quick fix, but that's the kind of stuff in football that takes time. It takes you know, running reps on it and it's not going to be easy, but it's something that if they get it figured out, they need to bring the right guy in here to do it. That's going to make their offense that much better because a guy like Mac Jones is someone you can work with and build your offense around. You've seen it in bits and pieces this year. You saw it for the majority of last year. It's all a matter of getting the right guy in here to get it done. Right. Um, Looking for more questions in the chat. Sorry, I'm just trying I mean, to track. There, there is a little scheduling update here from the NFL. Okay, it says that. Uh, hang on, I'm trying to find this here. <coughs> um, 
hang on. Where to, uh, no worries. I'm trying, well, I'm, you, you keep talking. I'm trying to kind no, of. No, I can keep going because I, I, I wanted to do this at the, at, uh, off the top, but just as far as updates is with Damar Hamlin's situation and where the Bills are at. Um, the Bills released a statement this morning saying that Hamlin remains in the ICU in critical condition with signs of improvement um, from yesterday and overnight, which, I mean, it's obviously good to hear. He's expected to remain in the ICU um, as his healthcare team monitors and treats his situation. So sounds like he'll stay in Cincinnati, but um, plenty, plenty of good news so far as far as improvement goes. As far as NFL scheduling, and I don't know, Alex, what you're looking into now, but um, yeah, here, over the so last hour, okay. Here, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, over over the last hour, it came out that they're still maybe looking to play Bills Bengals at some point, and that there has been no conversations yet about Bills Patriots this weekend. But there haven't there hasn't been saying like, no, we're not going to play it. So that's obviously up in the air as well. So Schefter tweeted that Ravens Bengals is now scheduled for 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. When was that game? It was TBD. I looked at the um, on ESPN earlier, and it all it said was TBD. Was it always I, I, TBD? When when was it li- when they released the full Week 18 schedule on Saturday? When did they have it? I'm not sure. Um, so that's all that I don't know why it was to be determined at the time, um, because like you Hang said, on. everything else came out on on Saturday. Oh, it actually was one o'clock or four twenty-five. I wonder if they were waiting for that Kansas City game. So that was oh, up in okay. the air. That that was up in the air, totally on its own, independent of the Hamlin situation. That was already a TBD. That's weird. Okay, um, so that well, that makes sense because Kansas probably City probably doesn't, and... as it relates to the Patriots, that probably doesn't mean much, right? But again, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, it's it's hard to speculate. Um, Ashley in the chat here. What do you guys think happens if Bills Patriots gets canceled this Sunday? I, I hate sort of speculating on it, but it feels like something we sort of have to do. Just the nature of you know the business and where this thing's at, because the Patriots are in a win and in situation. So, I mean, is there a chance Buffalo forfeits? And there's a lot of talk of the Patriots not accepting a forfeit, but I don't know if that's even a thing. Um, yeah, it is. So, okay. The way the rules. Know? So this, this goes back to, I don't, I, so take this all with a grain of salt because sure. this goes back to the seventies when teams played at buildings that they shared with baseball teams and the field was, was used up a lot. And you know, the early days of domes when the roofs would leak, yep. this rule was meant to apply to field conditions, but if the game is not playable for any reason, the team responsible for the game not being playable would have to forfeit. Again, this, okay. this is about field conditions. This is kind of a not kind of this is a unique scenario, but this is what you kind of go off what you have. Right. So based on the way the rules written, even though it wasn't written for the situation. However, the two teams could agree to a no contest, which would be a tie. So the Bills could say, we can't play Sunday. We'll take the loss. Like, we can't play Sunday. We'll take the loss. Patriots win. It would then be up to the Patriots to either accept that or say, we'll call it a tie. And I don't know what the Patriots are doing in that situation. Or the league might step in before that. Yeah, I was going to say, that makes it hard to put that on the Patriots in that situation I feel like the league would have when to I say it's up to the Patriots. I don't think that, you know, they would just go to bill and say, we need your answer right now. What do you want to do? Like, no, I'm guessing. of course. Right. Uh, but I mean, again, the fact that, I mean, that makes it, that puts a lot of pressure, I guess, unnecessary now, pressure on the Patriots. Well, so now here's the thing. Again, that rule is not written for this situation. Exactly. That's just the rule. If a game cannot be played, right. They might throw that out the window. Sure. And, and actually, it's, so I should say, sorry, I should say, I read this earlier. That rule was brought back last year for COVID. And they said if a team could not field, if, if a franchise could not field the team because there were too many COVID cases, that franchise would have to take the loss. And they never specified if the two teams could agree on a draw or not. I don't know if that was on the table at the time, but they, uh, uh, Troy Vincent did say on the call earlier today, they are using a lot of what happened during COVID to 
inform this situation when it comes to scheduling. Sure. So if the Bills can't play, it w- if the Bills say we can't play, the default would be it goes in the book as a th- – so, okay, so this is – I'm kind of sorting through this all in my head. In college, mm-hmm. if a – because th- it does get a little weird here because it is so close. There are some tiebreakers that come down to – I don't remember if it's point differential or point scored or whatever, but there are some tiebreakers that come down to that. In college, if a game is forfeited, it is a 3 nothing game. It goes in the books as a 3 nothing game. Okay. I don't know if the NFL uses that. Whatever there, but but they they do to put a score in, right? I, I don't know if it's three nothing, if it's one nothing, if it's seven one nothing, nothing, whatever. Yeah. Um. But if the Bills say we can't play, we're not ready. It would be a Patriots win, a Bills loss. Unless, but the league obviously would have the, I believe, would have the flexibility to step in and say, and who knows how this would be presented. But the league would, in theory, have the ability to step in and say, well, we, no, we're going to call it this or we're going to call it that. Right. Um, I believe it's a rule because this comes up every once in a while when you see those. And again, we're pulling from things that don't relate. Right. I believe it's a rule that Roger Goodell does have the ability to change the outcome of a game. He's never done it, nor should he have. Right. But I believe he could step in and say, yes, even though this – says that in this circumstance, it's technically a bill's loss. We're going to change that. It's like an executive order from the president or like when fantasy football, fantasy football commissioner tweak a score. Sure. The other thing is, and and I've seen some, we debated this in practice. There is no difference between them canceling the game and them calling it a tie because NFL standings actually don't go by wins and losses. They do, but really it's about winning percentage. And that never comes up because every team plays the same amount of games. But a tie doesn't factor into the – your winning percentage doesn't change, right? But doesn't it count as a game played? It counts as – no. So so by winning – So the tie would – okay. It it counts essentially as half a win. Like literally when they calculate that, it counts as half a win. So it – it would be by winning percentage as far as I understand to, to what I understand. Right. right. So, um, actually we can check this and make sure it hasn't changed. Cause sometimes they change these things behind the scenes, but there are teams that have tied this year and they are all, I need, I need two teams with the same record. Um, well, all right here. So, so the hey, Giants but, are, okay. This is where I push back on this and this is sort of what I'm trying to, I'm doing quick math here. Some may call Felger and Maz math. If a team is 13, 3, and 1, their win percentage is 0.76. Yeah. But if a team, if they call it a no contest and no game played, they're 13 and 3. So their win percentage is 81%. So the tie does matter. So it is, it is, it, it's had counts as half a win. Based on the number they have for the Giants right now, it counts as half a win. Okay. Um, but I believe yeah, no, a tie affects win percentage. Thank you, Robert, because it it makes the bottom number of the fraction. It adds a game to that. And this is why I didn't. I forgot to bring this up earlier, but that that will change the percentage of wins that you that you won out of the games played. Because if you call it a tie, it's technically a game played. So if you're thirteen three and one, or I'm sorry, if you're thirteen and three, your win percentage is higher than your win percentage at thirteen. So they might have changed the way they did it then, because a couple okay. of years ago, it essentially just didn't count. Okay. Now I'm looking at this. Now they might have changed it to accounts as half a win. Sure. In the percentage. Okay. So that. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, that could change things too. So again, it's it's all up in the air. It's it's it's. it's are you still doing some research here? Yeah, I'm still looking. Okay. I think it is half a win. So all right. So. That would be different than no contest, but the point is okay. So, I had that a little off. I apologize. The nope, point still stands in that if if you cancel the game, it's not by win. It, it would go by win percentage, not by win total. I believe is how they would do it, right? So if the if if it comes down to the Bills having played one less game than the Chiefs for the one seed, uh-huh. you'd go to win percentage, not you know. Well, one team's thirteen and three, and one team's thirteen and four. 
they have the same number of wins. Like one team has one less loss, essentially. Yeah, it it's all a mess. It's all a mess. My head hurts. Thanks, P two. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. Uh, it's it's a lot. Um, I see some you know comments in here, and I I won't pull them up, but it's it's an interesting thought as far as you know where the Bills' heads will be at if they do have to play. Because on one hand, people say that you know they'll fight for their guy, and I see that. But on the other hand. They could be, you know, down and out, and you just never know. And so that's what makes this whole thing so so hard to determine. And you really have to leave it up to the team, I feel like. And it sounded like Troy Vincent said that earlier, yeah. that they're going to they're gonna leave it up to the team, which I think is ultimately, you know, the, the way to do this. Well, not, you know, to put any words in their mouth, but, you know, if I'm in that situation just thinking about it, I think, and, and look, we've all dealt with medical emergencies, close people in our lives, right? Sure. It's not knowing that's the worst part. Exactly. Right. Not no. So... Hamlin's condition is, is there's a lot unknown. There was the report uh, a couple hours ago that, you know, I, I think that his vitals have improved. Now, who knows to what extent the Bills players probably know more than we do as they should. But I think it's very different. You know, if he's still in this state, that's really tough to play that game. If, if you know, we get the good news that, hey, long term, he's going to be fine. Like, obviously, he's not playing again this year. But, hey, long term, he's going to be fine. He's going to live a full life. Right. Then, then that probably makes it a little easier. Right. Because, you know, at the very least that, you know, you have that resolution. Um, right. So that and, and look, you can't rush that timeline of getting that information. We're going to know when we know and they're going to know when they know and everything. So. Right. I think that's what what makes it so tricky right now is just that unknown of his condition. And it doesn't feel right to play games when when his situation is still hanging in the balance. 100 percent. I'm with you. And uh, I do want to get back to one point on. uh Pat's Dolphins that I had, but before we yep. and continue dropping those questions in the chat, but before we get back to that, I do want to talk about Rocket Money. Uh, do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? You probably don't, as 80% of people have subscriptions they completely forget about. Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions, when actually that total is closer to 200 or more. It can be an unused Amazon Prime account, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus, uh, whatever it may be, but it never gets streamed, and they're just draining your bank account. You could be wasting, you could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month each month on subscriptions you don't even know about. I don't do that, though, because there's an app I love using that takes care of it all. It's called Rocket Money. It used to be known as Truebill, and the app shows you all your subscriptions in one place and then can cancel for you whatever you still don't want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may even find out you've been double-charged for a subscription. To cancel, all you have to do is press cancel, and Rocket Money completely takes care of the rest. Easy peasy. Get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. You can check it out right here on the lower third. Go to rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Save hundreds and cancel your unnecessary subscriptions now. So the one thing I did want to touch on in Bill's Dolphins was just how good the Patriots secondary was for how banged up they were. Um, yeah. I thought this was a big storyline in the game. Um, and apologies to go away from the Hamlin situation. We'll we'll definitely get back to that and get to all your questions. But um, with Patriots Dolphins still fresh on the mind, I did want to just you know touch on that because they were down Jalen Mills, they were down uh, Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, um, all these guys not playing, and they held the arguably the most dynamic wide receiver duo in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle to just. F- Seven catches for 90, 97 yards, or 102 yards total. Combined, was, 107. yeah. Yeah, combined. Uh, Hill had four for 55. Waddle had three for 52. That was my quick math. I apologize on that. But, I mean, they, they really held those guys in check. For guys who, across their, you know, their experience in the league, are guys who can go for 12 catches for 303 touchdowns or 200, whatever. They held them in check with, like, a very depleted secondary. I thought it was huge for Miles Bryant. I thought they really... They really kept those guys under control, and I think that was a main story on the defense from this game. Yeah, Miles Bryant had a, a really good game in that yeah. one, and he got asked to do a lot. This was one where where you know size didn't kill them, unlike against the Bengals, where they're dealing with all these big receivers, right? They were in much better shape in terms of the height, and I thought they had a really good scheme. The safeties helped out. They spun the dial. Uh, Big-time performance from the secondary. Now, they need to add cornerback depth in the offseason still, but totally. you know, to see Miles Bryant have a game like that is encouraging because they're gonna need him to play on that level if they want to make some noise here and, and, and get into the playoffs and win a playoff right. game. Um 
you know, Jonathan Jones playing through the injury. And, and that was an unbelievable pick, by the way, from him, that yeah, tip drill interception. So it, it, this secondary continues to be um, just really exciting to watch and continues to find ways to get it done, really the defense as a whole. So um, it's it's been cool seeing what the defense can do. It would be nice they got a little more support. But, uh, yeah, another big game for the defense. Yeah, good stuff. And again, I'm, I'm looking at the comments and bringing these in because, again, that's kind of where we want to go with the show. Um, it was weird seeing the Patriots go up two scores. Um, I agree with you, Ben. And it was, a, it was a moment where, like I said, it was the FU drive from Mac. Goes down, you know, like we said, dink and dunk, get in the end zone. And then it was like, okay, how are they going to screw this one up? Because that's what we've seen this season for so long. They finally have a two-score lead. What's going to happen? And so then Skylar Thompson, who wasn't great at all, you know, he he wasn't he was just as bad as Bridgewater in this game. Um, but he goes down and he hits Mike Gusecki for a touchdown uh, with like a minute left, and Dolphins are now down two. And it's like here we go, onside kicks coming. They're they're going to recover it and somehow win this game because that's just how the Patriots season has gone. But huge recovery on the on the uh, the onside kick from Hunter Henry, and they they put it away. So uh, kudos to them. But yeah, again, it was weird because. They haven't really had that two-score lead in in some time in in a game, and uh, again, they they held onto it, which I thought was that was progress, I guess, right? Right. Oh yeah. Um, no, I mean that was one of the more as crazy as it sounds. That was one of the more complete games they've played this year. Yeah. Um, another comment that I wanted to bring up is from Jermaine here. Uh, who's going to be the QB coach next season? I find this. Um, whole potential reshuffling of the Patriots coaching staff interesting because not only is the offensive coaching um, a disaster, but I don't think Cam Accord and the special teams have been great this year either. Um, and Cam Accord's a great dude. He'll, he'll always, he's, he's a good, he's a good interview. He's a good talk because he gets really in depth unlike some of the guys uh, down at Gillette, but they've struggled this year. Um, some stupid mistakes, you know, running into the kicker, um, Bad, just bad punting in general um, for a team that's been so good in that department for so long. They were their punt team wasn't great. Uh, Marcus Jones has been you know sort of a savior for that special teams unit. Same with guys like Brendan Schooler's been good, but it seems like that sort of needs an overhaul as well. And where I'm going with this is if the Patriots do retool their offensive coaching staff, which I think they should and will. I don't think Joe Judge should continue on as the quarterbacks coach, and I think there's a reasonable you know idea that he could move from quarterback's coach back to his special teams coordinator position um, in the offseason um, they, if they do end up getting rid of Cam Accord. And I think that – I don't know how much Judge would be willing to do that. I mean, it's a jump from position coach to coordinator, but it's also off the offense to special teams. So it's an interesting jump, but I think it that would be the right move for them as far as coaching goes. And then quarterback coach, I think that that would be up to the offensive coordinator who comes in, whether that be Bill O'Brien – whether that be O'Brien being in the quarterback's room, which McDaniels did here. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, same idea. Cliff Kingsbury would probably be de facto quarterback's coach. Um, there's a lot of different options, but I don't see it being Judge again next season. I think he could fit in the special teams room. Whoever it is, you know, that replaces Judge, and yeah, I'm with you. I wouldn't be opposed to Judge being the special teams coordinator. Sure. Even if it is a guy like Cliff Kingsbury or Bill O'Brien, who is, you know, the the offense coordinator and quarterback's coach, like Josh McDaniels right. was. Like Josh McDaniels had both those titles, but there's as the offense coordinator, there's going to be things that pull you away from the quarterbacks. There just are. And I went on this rant before they had a guy named Bo Hart agree on the staff in 2021, who was the assistant quarterbacks coach. That was it. That was all his responsibility, you know, was on max hip throughout. And I think that having a guy like that's a valuable resource. So even if it is again, O'Brien or Kingsbury or one of these guys, who's going to be the quarterbacks coach in addition to being the offensive coordinator, get a separate like assistant dedicated quarterbacks coach. I think that that's a, a sneaky need for this team is, uh, you know, quarterbacks coach, regardless of offense coordinator, separate quarterbacks coach and offensive line coach are two things that are getting under talked about and maybe fairly because the offensive coordinator comes first and foremost, right? You're not just going to replace the quarterbacks coach and the O-line coach and leave Patricia. But once they do get that OC in, whoever it is, you know, quarterbacks, coach, and offensive line coach need to come right after those guys. Those right. positions need to be filled as well. I'm with you. Um, might be a su- tough sell for Joe Judge, uh, I guess. But if his options are, I could see are, him not wanting to do it. Yeah, I okay. But his options are: you can either coach our special teams unit, or you're not back. 
I mean, he's going to probably take that unless he wants to go back into the into the ringer and try and find a new job elsewhere across the league. But with his performance this season and his performance as the Giants head coach two seasons ago, I don't see him having many NFL coaching options, especially at a coordinator position. So it might be my way or the highway for Joe Judge, and that just might be – I mean, he might not be happy with it, but that might be his only option. Right. I mean, he, um, he might just take a year off at that point, but yeah. Yeah, right. So um, I, I don't I don't like this. I'm going back to Robert again, and it comes up a lot. But And I know that there's been a lot of NFL players now turning into coaches. Like you have Wes Walker now, Gerard Mayer's yeah. there. But at the end of the day, coming straight out of playing to coaching is such a weird turnaround. And I've tweeted this before, and I think we've talked about it on here. Just as far as like the pay scale and the hours worked, right now Brian Hoyer – just is able to go to practice, teach Mac Jones, hang out, play football for a lot more money than he would be if he came in as the quarterback's coach. Right. And he'd have to work a lot more hours too. You're in there all the time and you get paid less as a coach. So it, it's, it's a weird transition. It's 10 times the money for a 10th of the hours. As long exactly. as teams will keep putting him on the 53 man roster, maybe even on the practice squad, he's going to keep doing it. And, and, and like, as he should right now, totally. Eventually, a team's going to be like, look, it's not worth it anymore. Right, right, you're, right, right. Dude, right. You're, who knows how long he hangs on? Dude, you're 50. We're not going to keep signing you, right? It's not like that Daniel Tosh bit about Brett Favre being on the practice squad until he's 75. Right. Um, at that point, does he want to get into coaching? Maybe. I, I think he said he'd be interested in it. Maybe he wants to take a couple of years off first before he does it. I don't think he'd be a bad quarterback's coach. There's just very little incentive for him to do that. Exactly. Um, I'm with you there. I'm going to pull this one up because I've seen this. People saw George Pickens have a great game the other night. Why didn't the Patriots draft George Pickens? George Pickens is everything the Patriots should not have been looking for in a wide receiver. And I don't mean to say he's not good. He is. But his pre-draft makeup, like like the, the, the total evaluation of him, is actually very similar to what Aaron Dobson's was. He had a history of knee injuries or not. Sorry, not even Aaron Dobson. I said the wrong guy, Chad Jackson. It's very similar to what Chad Jackson's was. He had a history of knee injuries. He was playing inconsistently. Um, A lot of his tape, even though he was in the SEC, was against non-SEC teams. Like what you have to, what people have to understand, which I think is important. The, and and we'll get into this a lot this off season. The evaluation of a player pre-draft is not the ultimate deciding factor. It is a heavy part of it, but it's not the ultimate deciding factor into whether or not a player is going to be good or not in the NFL. There is a nature versus nurture element to all of this, right? You can't just take a player and say, will he be good in the NFL and fully answer that question? Because I think there are players that will be better in some spots than others, or there are teams that, handle certain players better than others. The Steelers churn out wide receiver talent. I mean, they've been doing this for years. They'll take guys in the fifth, sixth round and turn them into all pros. It's what they do. It's like what the Patriots have done at corner for years and years and years. Not every team can do that. How's the Patriots development of wide receivers been, especially guys drafted high. We'll leave that open. Very, very poor. (laughs) The point being George Pickens had, had a very intriguing like base evaluation. But between the health issues, the inconsistent play in college, he was a guy that a team was going to need to work on to really bring through his potential. Steelers are very good at that. Patriots historically have not been. So, like, you can look at everything he did at Georgia and say, like, look at him. He was great. Yes, he did look like a great prospect in a bubble, but you're not in a bubble. Tyquan Thornton is more the kind of player the Patriots are going to be able to develop than George Pickens was. Right. So, like, it might Pickens end up being better? Yes. I don't think George Pickens is having the season he's having in Pittsburgh if he gets drafted by the Patriots. So you you have to remember to factor that in. And I'm not going to – people are going to say, oh, you're just making excuses for them. I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, every pick they've missed on was an issue of nature versus nurture. There's guys that I think they, they could have drafted or should have drafted that they didn't that would have been great fits here and they would have been able to maximize a guy that's it's been killing me all year. Isaiah Pacheco from, yep, totally. from the chiefs, right? Yep, Rutgers. Back. First of all, 
receiving back, can pass block, is good in between the tackles. Like I, if, if you were watching this show back in the spring, I was all over that guy as like, man, if they can grab him on day three. And look, they still might have something in Pierre Strong. We'll see. Sure. But like I thought that you talk about nature versus nurture, a guy who they could maximize his skill sets and maximize his development. Like that's a guy I think fits in the category that the Patriots could really nurture and bring along. George Pickens to me, I I don't think he has the same success here that he's having in Pittsburgh. And again, the, if you're a wide receiver and you get drafted with the Steelers, your ticket's punched. You're in great shape. Like the Steelers develop everybody. They're it's so incredible. Good at There's it. so many of them. You, so you that's my that, thought on like, that. Martavis Bryant, who I mean, again, he was. I mean, he had his own issues, but like. They had so many guys at one point, like A.B. and Mike Wallace. And, I mean, now with, uh, I mean, Pickens, obviously, but who's there? there Deontay Johnson. Deontay um, Johnson. Like, Chase Claypool I, was good for a while. Chase like, Claypool was the guy coming out. What, he, he ran like a 4.8, something like yeah. that? Like, he'd not run a good 40. He, he wasn't a great route runner. He was just big. Yeah. And I there was a lot of talk, is he going to play tight end? Some people might thought right. he might fall to day three. And look what Steelers turned him into, because that's just what the Steelers do. They, right. Meanwhile, like guys like Malcolm Butler, guys like JC Jackson, who are talented, like this isn't to take anything away from them, but sure. coaching is a part of this, right? Those are guys that if they go elsewhere, maybe they don't end up being, you know, number one corners at some point. But the Patriots have always been able to develop cornerbacks. Uh, offensive lines, another one. You look at, you know, how many guys did they find in late rounds? Michael Owenu. Uh, you know, Joe Tooney was a fourth round pick. Shaq Mason, I don't think was a top 100 pick. David right. Andrews was undrafted. And, you know, when you have a guy like Dante Skartnakia, right. that's going to happen. So who was the, who was the center before Andrews too? Stork, Brian Stork. Stork. He was I think like he a was fourth round pick. Too. I think no, oh, he was really? drafted, okay. but late, but late. Yeah, exactly. Right. He was they solid just, for a while too. This is, this is something. And somebody asking a, a, a fair question here. Who's, who's the Steelers offensive coordinator or wide receiver coach, can he be the Pats offense corner? They they've had multiple receiver coaches. They just yeah, it's an organizational thing. They keep that pipeline, it's a front office right? thing. Yeah. What's well, fr- the front office is really good at evaluating these guys and figuring out the right. plan, but it's also when the wide receiver coach leaves, they ha- he has an assistant that takes over and it's passed down. Um right. Steelers just pipeline. man, they ch- they churn out wide receivers. Yeah, I want to let you I'll give you a layup here because uh speaking of pickens and you know, pickens over Thornton and all that, it the idea lately it feels like you look at uh, what the Dolphins did with Tyreek and what uh, the Bills did with Stefan Diggs. Why don't the Patriots go get DeAndre Hopkins, Alex? This is what you've been hammering to me for the last couple weeks now. What do you say? Yeah, I'd love it. I, I'm not a huge fan of this wide receiver draft class at the top. Um, I think Quentin Johnson is another guy where, again, I think he has talent. The Patriots aren't going to figure it out. They're not. They've right. brought in guys like that, and and it just hasn't connected. I like Addison. I like Josh. Love Adams. Jordan Addison. But they, I'm not saying Jordan Addison is the kind of guy who'd come here and work. He is. Yeah. But they need that big X outside. Like Jordan Addison's a, he's not a big guy. Was he like right. five, eight, 160, something like that? Yeah. Like, and he'll get bigger. They need that six, four, six, five, 220 jump ball outside, like that guy. And, and one that's proven, one that's proven, right? Not, not right. a pick, not a guy, guy, not a guy. So some people would say, okay, well, that's Johnson. And, you know, Johnson, it could be that guy, but Hopkins is. And right. we just talked about their history, developing wide receivers. You don't need to develop DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not sure there's right. anything more to develop. I'm not sure how much better a wide receiver can get. He's really freaking good. Um, if you're going to use that first round pick on, you know, Quentin Johnson's the name I keep hearing. Mm-hmm. If you're going to use that first round pick on Quentin Johnson at that point, just trade it for Deandre Hopkins. And I don't even know that it would cost that much to get him because right. his values kind of already been set. He was traded not that long ago. Now that trade was viewed at the time as one of the all time NFL ripoffs, but he's now older and he has that PED suspension on the books. I look at it two seconds, second this year, second next year. Mm-hmm. I think that gets it done. I think in theory that would now maybe, you know, second, a second, a fifth or a fourth or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think something about that value might get it done. I would just rather do that and go get the guy who's been there, done that, proven it. And a veteran wide receiver can help a young quarterback 
Whereas Max is going to then ha- Mac is going to have to help Quentin Johnson along. You don't need to help DeAndre Hopkins. He shows up right. day one. You know exactly what you're getting. Um, I think it's going to. De- I would just say for people who don't know, he Hopkins is going to be a free agent, but there is he's not going to play next year under his current contract. It's one of those things where they kind of pushed a bunch of money to the end and said, we'll deal with it when we get there. And now we're there and there's an out in the contract. So whether they restructure it, maybe they trade him because, you know, Kyler's hurt and who they might go through another rebuild. The GM, the trade of forms no longer there. Cliff might be gone. So it's going to be a new coach. Um, there, there's like a decent chance he's available for trade this off season. And again, I would just go get a tackle, a position the Patriots can develop. And by the way, it's a really good year for tackles. Like, I think there might be four or five franchise tackles in this draft. You can pick. Patriots are probably going to pick anywhere from like 14 to like 19. I think you can get a a franchise tackle in that range. I really do. Totally. Maybe even in the second round, a franchise right tackle in Dewan Jones. So I think go get a tackle that first round pick. They then flip that second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. Now, now we're cooking with gas. Now we're cooking with gas, and that's an A plus. Now, will they do that? I don't know, but right. I, well, like, I think that would be a fantastic offseason. That's and I, it alludes to what you were saying, and I'll go back to the tackle question after. But it's going to depend highly on what sort of position Arizona's in, because, like you said, Steve Kime, the GM, he's uh, he's out right now with a medical condition. Cliff Kingsbury is sort of on the hot seat slash ready to leave on his own. Um, yeah, in Arizona anyway, but. If their owner, Michael Bidwell, can kind of get everyone in the same motion again, like, okay, squash the beef between Cliff and Kyler, and I know that's not easy, but you have a talented coach who can call an offense, you have a quarterback who can play, and you have a GM who wants to, you know, stay and can get healthy and be in the same direction, It's that could lure Hopkins back to Arizona, right? Because if they say, we want to stay in this win now instead of going to our, our whole complete rebuild, that could change things. If they do go into that rebuild, he's going to be available. But if they do want to, you know, keep the band back together one more year, then Hopkins might be a guy that they still want to keep around because he's built that rapport with Kyler Murray and he's been well, so good then, to him in the last few years. But does he want to stay? Because that's he, like right. He they can't. He has like a thirty million dollar cap hit. Like he can't play on that contract. So one way or another, they need they need to agree to a new contract, and he could very much say, "Hey." I don't want to be here. You know, Kyler's going to miss the first half of the season and this and that, whatever. I don't want, I'm not signing a new deal here and the Cardinals have to right. trade him. Right. Um, now this is a fair point. Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins and Bill O'Brien do not get along with each other in a Correct. real rocky ending in Houston. So can you patch that up? I don't know. And then the question becomes, would you rather have, we've been doing this for weeks right. and it's not, it's not, I, I've said this before. I People are spinning it as Bill O'Brien or keep Matt Patricia. There's other people who will be available, whether it's Cliff Kingsbury, who he already knows, whether it's maybe like Chad O'Shea. You go back to that, um, you know, to that era of the Patriots, whatever. Would you rather have DeAndre Hopkins and Chad O'Shea or Cliff Kingsbury as your OC or Bill O'Brien and TBD, whether it's Jerry Judy? Right who you probably have to give up more to get, but isn't as good or Brandon Ayuk, who again, I don't think is quite on that level. Somebody brought up Deontay Johnson, who I like, these guys are not on the level that Hopkins is. They're not right. It's so, tough, but it comes down to which would you, and, and to me, go find another offense. Like I'll find somebody to call the off, offense. I think you put Hopkins, but they did that this year, Alex, tackle. they did the, they did the, Oh, we'll just find someone else to call the offense. And Bill called this. Okay, it, it went, I, it went this way. So somebody, I don't know okay, if I'll, I like that idea anymore. Who has called offense to call the offense. I'll go find somebody qualified. <laughs> okay. I, I, you, you know what? You're right. I sh- I didn't have that qualifier. I probably <laughs> have to at this point. This is, that is a fair pushback from you. I'll go find somebody else qualified to call the offense, to call the offense and get Mac throwing sure. deep balls to DeAndre Hopkins. If it's me. Here's, a, here's something that I want to bring up too that adds to this. Sorry. Um, nope. This. Here's a scary thought. How confident are we even that Bill Belichick will part ways from Matty P? I don't think he's going to have a choice. I think that's. Right, I don't the, think it's a Belichick thing. I think it's a crap. That's 100%. I think that's the conversation heading into this season is, you know, as far as hot seat goes, there's no hot seat yet. And I might have been quick to 
quick to jump on that train earlier in the year, but I think this year's the ultimatum and next year's the hot seat because it's going to be, look, you can either change this now or we can let you go. Right. But if you don't change it, we're, we got to make, we got to make changes. So it, it that's going to be an ultimatum. So I don't think he's going to have a choice on whether to part ways with Matty B or not. Yeah, I, I, I think, and I, I, I think Kraft will give him every chance to, I don't think it's a, sure. you know, the day the season ends, Hey, you got to fire Matt Patricia. I think it's more right. of a, we get to March and nobody else has been brought in. Hey, so, you know, what's the plan here? We were expecting to see something change. It doesn't look like it. So, um, and I've said this before, I, I think there's a chance Matt Patricia is still employed by the Patriots next year in a different role. You probably I wouldn't sleep be. on that. Yeah. So, and it's going to be one of those things where they don't put, they won't give us the titles until camp. So Matt Patricia may be employed here. Somebody else may get hired as like an offensive consultant or an offensive, whatever this or that. And we're just going to kind of have to sort through it on our own, but he'll always have a job here. Belichick trusts yeah. him. That's, that's one of Belichick's guys. So he's not going anywhere. Right. Um, cleaning out the the chat before we before we put a before we wrap this thing up um i would take hopkins but the conditions have to be right it'd be looking for a guy on the come up something yeah because board was that guy it was sort of like a he was a you know he was okay in san francisco he was like a jimmy g kind of you know not security blanket but he was he made plays when he had to and he came here and he's done really well and i think he's a guy they need to keep here um but I don't know. What do you think of this one? I, again, I would rather get a guy who we know is that top tier wide receiver. And maybe you end up paying for a year or two where he's on the back end later than investing. This is what they just did is invest right. in guys who might be that guy. We're not sure, but they have a chance. That's what the John U. Smith contract is. That's what the Nelson Aguilar contract is. Like this is what they just did. People were furious, right? Go get the guy who's proven he can do it. And if that means you have a bad year or two on the end of the contract, so be it. Hopkins right. is averaging over 100 yards a game this year. I see people saying he's washed. I don't think he is. I think he's in a terrible offense. Go get the guy who can be a 12, 1,400-yard receiver. And you know what? If on the last year of his deal he's broken down, whatever. Hopefully you win yeah. something before then. So I like I, I, everybody knows I love Kendrick Bourne, right? You don't need another Kendrick Bourne. You have Kendrick Bourne. You won't even right. put Kendrick Bourne on the field. Are you going to put the next that's Kendrick gonna, Bourne on the that field? That has to be a Matt Patricia thing, though. So They that's... clearly don't have the patience for these guys to develop. Go yeah. get the guy that's already at the tip top and just let him do his thing. I it, yeah. There's no – the value – and I'm the first one to wave my flag and say, Bill Belichick, look at all these value players he's found. He got Kendrick Bourne for nothing, and that was great. And look, he turned Jalen Mills – into a starting corner. That was great. He didn't have to pay a real starting corner to do it. Those moves are all great. And I love making those moves, but they've made a bunch of those moves. Now go get the guy that, that, that said that you've made all those value moves. You saved all that money. Now use it, push yeah. your chip. Now is the time to push those chips to the middle of the table. Not, yeah. and by the way, not like Ocho Senko. Ocho Senko was washed well before he got here. Yes. Again, Hopkins, a hundred yards per game guy right now. Ocho Cinco was not. He he was already right. on that back end. Alex, before we wrap this up and do a few more questions, I do want to talk about LinkedIn really fast because these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people you want to talk to faster and for free. We use LinkedIn Jobs here at CLNS Media and we can't recommend it enough. It's super easy to post your job. Then add your listing and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. We're now into January, and it's the perfect time to add the right team member to start 2023 strong. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And I will say until I'm blue in the face, the next offensive coordinator should be checking out linkedin.com slash beat for the Patriots job listing coming up because they better freaking switch that guy out. But yeah. um, I'm going to pull up one, one more here because it's a okay. good question. So do okay. we think the Patriots would extend Josh Uche? So there's three players 
who will be on expiring contracts next year. So they're under contract through the end of next season. And it's Josh Uche, Kyle Duggar, and Michael Onwenu. I would really like to see the Patriots get at least one of those extensions done this offseason. I, yeah. I think that would be big. Um, you know, the cap's going to jump a bunch next year. So if you can get one of those deals done on the current cap, it's going to end up being a value contract. To me, the order, like in, in preference, would be uh, Duggar, Onwenu, Uche. And it's not a knock on Josh yeah. Uche, but no. he's kind of had this these last like two months. And before that, he's been inconsistent. Kyle Duggar, safeties are getting big deals. If you can lock him up, you do it. Same with Michael and Wenu, but I we talked about this before. I trust them. If they lose him, I trust them to find another guard, to develop a guard. Sure. Um, and I think, by the way, this is part of the reason he is exclusively played guard this year because tackles make a whole hell of a lot more than guards, and I don't think they want to have that conversation with them right now. That's a fair so, point. But those are the three guys that will be up. Um, I think if they can get a Kyle Duggar extension done this offseason, because like I mentioned before, they don't have a ton of pressing – internal free agents. John Jones is one, but I don't even know that he's a guy you need to have back just because with how good they are at developing that position too. It's that. And you have a bunch of like these smaller slot hybrid corners. You probably need an upgrade on bound at the boundary corner. Anyway, whether you keep John Jones or not, you need another big outside corner. So I, I, that doesn't mean I don't want him back. I I think it'd be great to have him back. He's playing at a high level, but um, I mean, it's him. And then really the next biggest name is Devin McCourty, who, I mean, he's, he's either retire. retiring or coming back. And it seems like yeah. he's retiring, right? So yeah. they have some flexibility. Uh, yeah, I, I would start trying to figure out with Duggar to, to get yeah. a deal done now. Uh, I, I I think more so. And that doesn't mean I wouldn't get it done with, with Onwenu or Uche, but that's the one guy I'm going to, Kyle Duggar, and saying, hey, let's try to get this thing. Let's try to get this thing on paper yeah. before we before we get to camp. And with Uche, too, not that – I mean, they, they obviously play off each other very well, but you have a high-quality edge rusher already locked up next season in Matthew Judon, too. So, I mean, again, the, the playing off each other is huge, but if you let Duggar go or uh, Unwinu go, that's like a, a single, you know, single position. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, um, that's different. Uh, I like – quickly, I want to hit this, maybe do a draft show next week. The draft stuff is coming. We're in Week 18 now. Once the season's over, post-playoffs, all that, we're going to get all into the draft stuff, Tony. So don't worry about that. Um, this is non-Patriots, but I wanted to get your uh, answer on this because before the season, I bet the Chargers to win the Super Bowl at 14-1. to Last year, I bet the Rams, and that hit. I went L.A. this season. I believe the Chargers were either 6-6 six and six or 5-6, and six, and now they're 10-6, and six, Alex. They're the fifth seed. Or the sixth seed, they're locked into the sixth seed. Justin Herbert's a top three, four quarterback in the league. Do you trust what Brandon Staley has done to win a Super Bowl? No, nah, and look, I think me? I think they can win in spite of Brandon Staley. I do. I okay. just, I, I agree. I just, if they have to go to Kansas City or Buffalo or Cincinnati, and it's like a cold, windy, raw day, that team is very LA. They're high flying. They're a lot yeah. of fun. How well are they really going to handle the elements, right? So, I I could see it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. I think a couple things have to go their way. Have they have have the Chiefs locked up the uh, the West? Is there any chance that the Chargers can win this year down the stretch? No, they locked it up. They locked it up. They locked it up. Okay. So, um, oh yeah, yeah. So, I just I I want to say they're the best of the wild card teams. That's kind of a stupid take because they are the highest ranked wild card team, right? But um, like, I think there's such a monumental drop from them down to Baltimore. If Lamar's not healthy, you know, the, the group of Baltimore, New England, Miami, Pittsburgh, they're just better. So, I I, I like the Chargers. I do. I there. I don't. Think I just love Justin Kansas Herbert. City. I do too. I don't think they're going into Kansas City and winning. I don't think they're going into Cincinnati and winning. I don't think they're going into Buffalo and winning. If they'd won that division, I think we'd be having a different conversation. Like you could sway me on it. Because in that building, under that roof there in yeah. in Southern California, I think I'll take them head to head with just about anybody. But that's really not a team built to handle the elements well. They're just not, and you got to be able to handle the elements in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm with you. I just I I'm, I love Herbert. I think he's he's a stud. He's one of the best. Again, top three, four guy in the league. Um, 
Their defense is getting healthy. Joey Bosa's back. But you're right as far as, you know, being that the SoFi team um, in the in their, their cutesy little dome down there. Because that's kind of what the Rams had to do last season, right? They didn't really have to go into any right. elements win. Like, they Where'd went they to go? Tampa. They went to Tampa. Yeah. And then I think they were home for all their games besides that, right? Yeah, because so, so they played San Francisco in the NFC Championship at home. They played yeah, get, the wild card Cardinals at home, so they didn't have to do much. They kind of it all lined up for them last season. Then they played the Super Bowl at home too. So they'll get either Jacksonville or Tennessee in the first round. Like that's a game they should win. The Chargers, right? But you know they they're going to need yeah. one of Kansas City, Buffalo, or Cincinnati get knocked off, and and yeah. I just I think all those teams are going to be fine, and the two of those three teams are going to the to the AFC Championship, right? We'll see what happens. But again, Chargers 14 to 1. Everyone, please pray for me that that one hits. Um, okay. I think that's it. You got you got any more comments in here that you, you want to pull up? I, I see. Okay. See what? Uh, let's do one more. All and right. it's because uh, I wrote about this today on clnsmedia.com. Patriots are getting a better quarterback next year, either Derek Carr or Lamar Jackson. I wrote about Carr coming to the Patriots. Yes, those because, two very equal quarterbacks. Well, so Derek Carr's odds, he, there's odds posted, and it's he's like the fourth, the Patriots are like the fourth most likely team to land Carr. I just don't see that happening. The only thing I can think of is like them, for some reason, McDaniel's convincing them to trade a haul for Mac Jones because he liked working with Mac so much, and then Carr ends up coming here. But the Patriots are probably going to say no to that anyway, so I don't see that happening. And Lamar's going to cost way too much money. I don't think the Patriots are doing that either. But two yeah, different quarterbacks, so- you're right. First off on Lamar, and, and Lamar is better than Mac. Nobody's going to dispute that. Sure. Uh, he's getting franchised. He's getting franchised yeah. and and traded and traded to the NFC. So if he's not in Baltimore, like, like if he doesn't sign him, saying like they won't let him walk for nothing. If they know they can't sign him, they're going to franchise tag him and then trade him. Uh, Tampa would be a team that would be interesting. I think yeah. San Francisco would be fascinating. Oh, boy. Yeah. You know. Maybe Miami gives up a bag because I, I think I've said this to you off the air, Mike. You put Lamar Jackson in this Miami offense, they're going to break every single record. Yeah. That would be there. There is no team that can stop that much speed on the field. So I, um, I they're not getting Patriots not getting Lamar. No. As for Derek Carr, first off, I don't think he's better. He might be comparable. Yeah, I don't. But think I don't think he's back. better. All of the knocks on Mac, and I wish I could scroll up and see what this person said about Mac, but I bet I can guess two of the knocks this person who commented has on Mac are that he doesn't go through his reads right and he holds the ball too long in the pocket. First of all, first of all, neither of those critiques are necessarily correct. Second of all, if they even if they were correct, those are also the two biggest critiques of guess who? Derek Carr. So right. if you want to trade for Derek Carr. You're essentially trading Mac. You're giving up on Mac Jones for an older, more expensive Mac Jones with no ceiling. Where is the benefit there? Mac Jones is what? 24, 25. If that, he will continue getting better. Derek Carr is who he is at this point, which is the quarterback Mac Jones looks at now. Looks like now. So I, all right. I see the person chimed in and said, well, it's arm strength. We're really still going to do this, this Mac Jones arm Um, strength thing. Yeah. I'm not. Like, just watch the <laughs> Maybe game. Maybe this guy is. Game. I'm not. Yes, right. he's not Patrick Mahomes. He can't throw the ball 80 yards in the air. You don't – arm strength on its own, people put way too much stock into because I don't care if you can throw the ball 80 yards down the field if you don't know where it's going. It's like these pitchers that throw 104 wildly. They keep getting right. work because every, every – there's always going to be a team that thinks, man, we can get it. We can fix his mechanics and we can get it so he's throwing strikes. But – Max, give me accuracy over strength any day of the week. Max is a more accurate quarterback than Derek Carr is, or at least as accurate right now, again, with room to grow. So if you're going to spend more money to pay an older quarterback who's going to more or less do the same job, you are not. You don't have a sound argument. You don't have a sound argument to stand on. You just don't. Um, and by the way, because now you've got me going on this, it's been coming about Jared Stidham. No, no. Hey, you Jared played okay. They played okay. Game is what happens when a quarterback A has nothing to lose, right? Not playing for anything. Like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to Jared Stidham if he sucks in that game, right? Right. And also, that's what happens when the quarterback has Devontae Adams. Yes, Mac Jones has struggled throwing the ball to Devontae Adams this year. He has no completions to Devontae Adams. People might be upset about that, but Devontae Adams doesn't play for the Patriots. It'd be very difficult. 
for Mac Jones to throw the ball to Monta Adams. Like what Jared said. I was like, where are you going with this? But now it was great. It was fun to see. It's not sustainable. If you get, it's actually a perfect example of I am saying stick with Mac because if you get Mac that kind of receiver, Hopkins, and you take all the freaking pressure off of him with the Bailey Zappi stuff and having to babysit the offensive coordinator and he can just go out there and play and not have to worry about his job and not have to worry about which offense they're running that day. You just let him go out there and play and you get him a receiver like Adams. Well, then it might look like that. Then it might look like what Jared Stidham looked like because that's kind of what Jared Stidham had in that game. So I actually think it's a great example of what happens when you sort of just let when your you quarterback be. Guy. Right, just yeah. just let him do what he wants to do. Give him an opportunity to succeed. And even a guy like Jared Stidham can shine in that moment. So I think that that's all the re- – whether it's Brock Purdy, whether it's, it's Jared Stidham. No, those are not the guys you replace Mac Jones with. Right. Those guys are the exact reason – you stick with Mac Jones and you improve his situation because when you improve the quarterback situation, look at what happens. Right. So there you go. I'm with and yes, good, good, good for Jared Stidham. Good, good for Jared Stidham. Shout out Jared Stidham. Good for Jared Stidham. I don't mean defense. to pick on him, but yeah. No, it was awesome. Good, good, good stuff. Good dude against the league's leading defense. He put on a show. They lost the game, but you know, he played well and he showed what he's got. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess that's that for us. Um, again, the Patriots, they beat the Dolphins 22-21. They now move into uh, week 18. Um, again, fluid situation with everything going around in the NFL right now. But uh, as of right now, the Patriots will play Buffalo on Sunday at 1 p.m. in Buffalo. Um, and is a win and in game for the Patriots. Um, they control their own destiny still towards the postseason. So if they win, they get the AFC 7 seed. Uh, me and Alex will be back tomorrow to break that down uh here on patriots press pass on youtube so subscribe to the channel you can check out alex on twitter at real alex barth read all his stuff on 98.5 the sports hub.com uh you can follow me on twitter at mike cadlick i'll actually be on 98.5 the sports hub tonight uh with joe mari uh coming up at 8 20 tonight so you can listen in on that um you can also read my stuff at clnsmedia.com and uh again we'll be back tomorrow to uh preview patriots bills until then uh have a good one we'll see you next time